This morning, what I want to speak about is transforming community and how we're supposed to transform our community. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Thirteen to eighteen. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. And also believed that therefore we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise also raise us up with Jesus, and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. I just want to read one verse from chapter 3 as well, the last verse, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory. Just amazing, that scripture. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that we live in a country that's got so much freedom. Lord, where we are so amazingly blessed when we hear... Lord, at 92% of the world look at us and wish they could change places. So, Father, I pray, Lord, may we not only be grateful every day, but may we also give as you lead us to give, Lord, to those that are less fortunate than ourselves. Help me this morning as I bring the word. Lord, help every hearer that is listening with heart and mind, Father, that they may profit from the word, for we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We do live in troublesome times. No two ways about that. You turn on the TV and there's trouble all over the world. However, God intends for his church to become a transforming influence to the world. Be transformed, that's what it says in Romans 12 too. but the transformed change by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitudes. Our attitudes need to start lining up with what the Bible attitudes are or what God's attitudes are towards the world and to our fellow brothers and sisters. The church is a bright, shining community. Can I hear an amen? And if we're not, we need to repent. We really do, because that's what the church is supposed to be. It's God's vision, actually, for the church to be a bright, shining community. In Genesis 1, 1 to 7, in the beginning, God created, he said, let there be light, and there was. And he looked at it, and it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. There is no comparison at all. If we look at 
Matthew 5, 13 to 16, Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. So you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. We're set on a hill and we better let our light shine from this hill to the world. Church is not just a building, you know, high steeple, few people. It's not like that. Where people worship ritualistically, we don't do that. We open our heart and we open our mouth unto the God of glory and we praise and glorify him for he is worthy. He is. God's desire has always been to inhabit, to dwell in the midst of his people, himself manifest, clearly seen, shown, represented by the Holy Spirit. This was God's heart and in his mind's eye, he created a people of praise for himself. It, you know, we, we don't come here to get blessed, even though we do, but at the reason we come here is to bless him. That's the reason for coming together. All the other things are byproducts. But the real reason is to praise him and to glorify his holy name. God's dream is his chosen people living in harmonious relationship together. That's his dream. Jesus has shown us the way. His, God's whole purpose in the outpouring of Pentecost that his people would become his dwelling place on earth. The kingdom of God on earth where God rules and reigns, where he can be found to be a life-transforming community. It needs to become more and more like that so the world can look at the church and they can see light. They don't see arguments, they don't see all the other stuff, they see light. He is our refuge where people can look for God and find him. They, people need to be able to come into church and find God. Amen? I was just saying, you know, Lyle's mother brought Lyle to church and the first Sunday he came to church, he, he got saved. He became a Christian. And the following Sunday he got baptised. Boy, was the water cold in Blackman's Bay, in the sea. Since the world began, God's will is... His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the, the, the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray like John teaches people how to pray. And he says, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. That was his prayer that he taught us to pray. Not that, so that we prayed by rote, but that we think on every line that we pray, the same as we read in, in the Bible, we read every line that's being said. We heard that this morning again from Psalm 23. Just how rich that psalm is when we look at every psalm rather than just parrot it by rote. God's dwelling is his family in a world that's fragmented, Come on. This is, this, is, this is the world torn apart, lonely, and prey to destruction. The family of God offers fellowship, relationship, partnership, friendship, 
and hope for the dysfunctional family, God in Christ offers an opportunity for all believers to dwell in love and harmony. This is what God offers through Jesus Christ, his son, because he paid the price. We heard that again this morning. When we honour God and seek the Father, his kingdom and his right ways, he, he presences, presences himself in our lives by his spirit. The people of God have now found mercy. I found mercy. You have no idea. Some of my family, Tinika and Fred, they've got an idea what I was like before I became a Christian. You didn't really want to know me at all. Anyway, most people didn't want to know me because my whole world revolved around me. I was at the centre of it all. Common unity is found only in Jesus Christ. We do not find it anywhere else. Every believer must be securely positioned in Christ. He is the solid rock and unshakable life is founded in him. It's in him. Unless you are born again, you cannot see and you can't enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. It is the spirit of Christ alone who can transform and give you kingdom life. You can't do it yourself. If you work at it and say, well, I've done it my way, Guess what? You miss out. Transformation in God's people will bring about a reformation in the society. Every time there's been a revival, society is changed and we have to think along the lines of society changing just because we grow in size here if people get saved that's not touching society yet. Society needs to be challenged. Society needs to change. We can bring about that change, but society must change for a real revival to be called a real revival. Things, look at the miners in, in Wales. You know, they started speaking to their donkeys and their horses and they didn't understand them anymore because they didn't swear anymore. No, come on. Everything changed. Pubs closed en masse. Because people stopped drink, drinking and getting drunk and things were closing down. All these things were happening when real revival, when the church is really functioning the way God sees it in his mind's eye that it should function, it's going to touch the community in a big way. Two important reasons why church obeying the Great Commission must look at the health of the body or the church. One, God is not in the business of putting healthy babies into malfunctioning incubators. Now, I know that's a real, that's a in-your-face kind of a statement, but it's true. We are a great church, but there's always room for improvement. Come on. There has to be. The moment we think we've got it all together, we've, we're falling apart. To see people open their hearts to receive Christ is the greatest miracle that can ever happen to anybody.
because it's for eternity. When you get healed, and we are praying for healing, our son-in-law has got a brain tumour all of a sudden. The doctor said it was benign, or sorry, they thought it was probably benign, and it's found out to be cancerous of the worst kind. He's 52 years old, lives next door to us. He's the father of our grandchildren, or four of our grandchildren. So all of a sudden it becomes, it comes right home. Right home, it comes into your home. What will your response be? Are you going to pray in faith, believing and trusting God? He is totally at peace. Our brother-in-law, diagnosed with lung cancer, he's 86, he's not a young man anymore, totally at peace. When I hear things like that, that's when I see the grace of God. You hear about the grace of God, but you can also see the grace of God. Inika, good example, at peace, trusting in God. And that's where we need to come to in the totality of our lives, being at peace and trusting in God. Healthy sheep beget healthy lambs, is that right? You ask any farmer, he'll tell you that. Spiritual health is vital. Of course, the same takes place in the spiritual sense as it does in the natural. First in the natural, then in the spiritual. We focus on discipling, training leaders, doing everything we can to enable assimilation into the body, building bridges, making things attractive to others, extending caring and loving relationships to people, seeing God's love and beauty and wanting to be part of God's own family and wanting others to come into that family where if we have peace, our desire must be that others can have that same peace. It's got to be our desire. If it's not our desire, we won't pray for the people out there. But we must because we used to be out there separated from God and God in his grace and his mercy called us into his family. And I've told you before, when I first got saved, I used to stand with my nose pressed against the window, looking in the pub saying, God, you saved me, what about my friends? Because that's where I used to spend a lot of time. Let's look at the one another's in the Bible. You know there's 56 one another's in the Bible? I'm just going to read a few, a few of them. Give preference to one another. Boy, that's not always easy when you think you're all right. Be devoted to one another. Love one another. Let us not judge one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Bear one another's burden. Teach and admonish one another. Increase and abound in love for one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. The list just goes on and on and on and on. And then in, uh, you know, greet one another with a kiss of love. Come on. If we're really Christians, how come we don't greet one another in love? 
in 1 John 3.11, it says, love one another. In 1 John 3.23, it says, love one another. In 1 John 4.7, love one another. In 1 John 4.11, love one another. In 1 John 4.12, love one another. 2 John 5, love one another. The list just goes on and on. Do you think God might be saying something to us? Love one another. It'd be a good thing to say that to your neighbor right now. I love you with the love of the Lord. Come on. Why? Because he commands it. He commands it. It's not a suggestion. He commands it. He said, this is what I want you to do. And if you do that, then I'll know that you love me when you love one another. Living in harmony, caring, loving, serving one another, the development of small groups assists in producing opportunities for real relationship and evangelism in this area. So the health of the body is critical to effective evangelism. I know people can do it. If you fish with a, a fishing rod, you've got one hook, or sometimes if you're fishing really deep water, you can have four hooks and you can catch four at the same time. I've done that being, you know, six, seven miles out to sea and catch fishing that way. But it's much more effective when you fish with a net. I saw a school of a trumpet at one time while I was diving at the bottom of Bruni Island and I radioed through to Safco and I said, I want to buy a fishing net. And I said, I'll be in tonight and then I'll be going straight back out again. I think it was a day and a half later, I set that net where I'd seen all the trumpeter and I got 125 in one go. It was almost starting to float. When the net is really chocolate-bock full, it floats to the top. Then you really know you've got a lot in there. But 125 is not bad. I paid for the, what's that? Paid for the net in one go. Not only that, I came home and bought live fish home. Real fish. Real fresh fish. Where you hit them on the head and you scale them and you eat fresh fish. I used to go to the fish and chip shop and say, is it fresh? And they'd say, oh yeah, it's fresh. What they meant was freshly frozen. It's not fresh. I'll say that again. The health of the body is critical to effective evangelism because personality is a product of relationships. We are value vacuum cleaners. We are. We pick good values from people who say, I want that in my life. Our values are shaped by the associations that we keep. Thus, our values, which influence the choice we make, are socially anchored. Relationships really matter. You see people that mix with the wrong crowd, and you say to your kids, it's not a good idea to mix with those people because they will put bad values into your life, and that's exactly what happens. Good values are brought into your life by mixing with good people too. 
Luke 6.40, Jesus reminds us that everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Please hear me. Notice he doesn't say he will know what his teacher knows. He'll be like his teacher. Good, bad, beautiful, or ugly. We reproduce after our own kind, and that is frightening sometimes. When you see things in your children that you haven't dealt with, and you weren't very happy about that, but because you haven't dealt with it, you pass it on. We do reproduce after our own kind, whether we like it or not, because that's the way God has made us. Right in the beginning of Genesis, it talks about that, you know, trees reproducing after their own kind, animals producing, reproducing after their own kind. We reproduce after our own kind as well. So if you've got anything in your life that you don't like, get on your knees before God. You don't have to do that now. But after, and say, God, get that out of my life by the power of your Holy Spirit because I don't want to pass that on to either my family or to my friends or anybody that I meet. The truth is that we believe should be based on the truth of the infallible word of God. It shouldn't be based on what everybody else says or does. Or What does the Bible say? Whatever the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34b. That's why it's vitally important to have our beliefs and values firmly founded on the Word of God. Not on our family or traditions, but that's another whole, what's name, message called maintaining a biblical worldview. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 15, Paul says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Wow. So they lived their lives intentionally because he knew that the way he lived intentionally, they were going to reproduce in those that they lived with. That's how important it is. He knew that he was their role model and believers would become like him. Timothy was an imitator of Paul. Timothy also lived intentionally among the people. In 2 Timothy 3.14, Paul portrayed the lifestyle Timothy knew about him. You know, however, all about my teaching, my way of life, he says, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings. Did he have to mention those last couple? Yes, because the disciple, if he's truly a disciple, will become like his master. Paul's leadership was imitated by the church. In 1 Thessalonians 1.7, he became a model for many churches. You know, like, it's not just in 1, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We also find it again in 1 Corinthians 4, 16. He just says, just imitate me. Are we game enough to say that? 
imitate my life? Are there some areas that I'm game enough to say that imitate my life? Every morning I get up and I spend an hour to an hour and a half reading the Bible and talking to God and listening to God. I can say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But what about all the other areas of my life? Boy, oh boy, this, this is a big call that Paul's making. The belief of truth is not synonymous with beauty. Many may believe truth, but our dominant attitudes and thoughts will determine our actions. Is that true? Th that's what happens. If it's negative, legalistic, critical, characterise a church fellowship, then these attitudes will probably be owned by the members, if that's what characterises it. If we're legalistic, if we're critical, then we're probably going to be like that, a good portion of us anyway. God was manifested in the flesh in Christ. He wants us to become flesh in us. He wants to become flesh in us also so that they may see Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, rather than Bernie or Neville or Fred or Inika or Bart or whoever. A healthy, beautiful member of the second incarnation of Christ glorifies God by revealing God's character through his or her everyday flesh life. And you say, how on earth do you expect us to be able to do that? With the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, you can. Don't tell me you can't. You can. Billboards, tracks, advertisements, books, they all do a great job, but they are no substitute for living epistles. Come on who make love a way of life, who love the way of the master. What's the name? Uh, the evangelist that was born in uh, South Island of New Zealand, and Ray Comfort is his name. And we watched him preach in Christchurch, where, where he got a little stool, and he would step up two or three steps, and there was the wizard, you know, contending against him with evil stuff. He would just preach. And Susie, me, we just sat and watched him mesmerised in the public. And people would stop and listen. It was amazing. That was in 1979? 1980. Long time ago. Never forgot it though. Never forgot it. All men shall know you are my disciples if you love one another. That, <clears throat> that means there's going to be different churches with different creeds, different ideas, different belief systems, different doctrines. We may not agree with them because the Bible doesn't agree with them necessarily, but we are to love them. And if we love them, the world will know that God the Father sent his Son because of the love that they see in action one for another. That's a challenge. 
because I don't see a lot of that. I want to see a lot more of that, but I don't see a lot of it. Love bound by holiness is the ultimate expression of God's presence in human experience. The church as a community is a central focus of the eternal purpose of God in Christ. Center stage of God's eternal purpose in Christ is his redeemed community, the church. Christ and his church, the redeemed community, are inseparable. So you can't say, Jesus, I love you, but I don't love that person that comes to our church because that person Jesus died for. And that person is part of the body and you can't say, I don't like that part of the body. You've got to love that part of the body just the way Jesus loved that part of the body. If we love Christ, we will love his church for whom he laid down his life. Jesus prays for the Father's love to be in us just as love is in the Godhead. When I read that, I go, wow. That love is perfection. Never disagree, always agree. And I want you to have that love. That's what he says. Come, I'm, I'm going to take you to it. Turn with me to John. John chapter 17. How's the time going? Verse 21. Or let's go to 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Wow, that's going to take a lifetime experience to work that out. We're never going to be able to say, I got it. No, no, you'll have it when you see Jesus face to face. But not before then. It's going to be an ongoing challenge to all of us. It's so easy to stop fighting and for what you've been fighting for a long time, the good fight of faith. To lose our first love is not as hard as what some people think it might be. Forty years ago in Tasmania, many of us experienced a New Testament renewal in the Holy Spirit. Our church exists because of what God did at the time, knitting people's lives together. In the late 70s, early 80s, after doing God's will for a few years, it can become mundane. This is a warning. It can become mundane. We can pitch around our old experiences rather than pressing onwards to take new territory. We shouldn't be living in the past. God, what have you got for us now? And hold dear those things that we've experienced, but we're moving forward. We're not just looking behind us. 
Acts 2.42, the early church continued in, let me say it, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers and giving things that they had extras to each other to make sure nobody had any lack. This is what was happening on a regular basis. No wonder everybody liked what they had. They weren't necessarily wanting to join, but they said, boy, this is really good stuff. The temptation is always to become settlers rather than pioneers. But pioneers will always go forward where settlers say, we're happy with what we got, don't rock the boat, let's keep it that way. Except you're on your way to extinction by doing that. I think we need to shake ourselves and say, I'm climbing mountains and I'm moving into new territory. Come on. Sometimes we need to get rid of the old stuff, shake it off. I'm moving into new territory. Accept your call to follow Jesus Christ, preaching, teaching and healing. It's the kingdom message to be lived, not just talked about. Follow Christ, his life, his purpose, his mission. Become kingdom transformers. Be renewed in your minds. Hear his voice and prove his will for yourselves. Be not conformed. Moulded by his word in its temporary pursuits. I did that for years and years and found no happiness whatsoever. My life totally changed and totally became exciting after I found Jesus Christ in 1977 at Calvary. Hospital. <laughs> it's not enough just to receive Christ, you are to live your life for him. We, we must come to that place. If we don't come to that place, we're not doing what he tells us to do, to be light. Freely you have received, what does it say? Freely give. Embrace the challenge. I want to, I want to finish off with a, with a testimony of Sean Hopwood. Who's ever heard of Sean Hopwood? Sean Hopwood, at age 23, he was in jail for robbing five banks. Okay? Only five, yeah. In jail, he started reading books on law and in the process of time became the go-to person for inmates who had the front court and who were doing appeals and he was doing really good. One of his friends in jail had an encounter with Jesus Christ and was radically changed and Sean's parents sent him letters and Christian books and said they prayed for him continually. So... He sees his mate being radically transformed. He hears his parents sending him books and sending him cards and saying they're praying for him continually. He started writing to a girl that he went to school with. Anne-Marie, her name was, now his wife. And when he came out of jail, they went to a pastor and asked him to marry them. He challenged them, the pastor did. He said, if you start with Christ and your life is founded on a rock, you'll have a much better chance of success. 
and they came to Christ. Then he married them. And he started becoming a light to all the people. Let your light shine. That was one of the first points in the gospel. Let your light shine. Today, in 2017, he studied to become a lawyer that after he got out of jail. And in 2017, he became a law professor in America. And that's what he is today. A law professor letting his light shine to whosoever he comes in contact with. 23 in jail. Nineteen seventy five he was born to and that makes him forty eight. Twenty twenty-five, twenty-three, forty-eight. At twenty-three he was in jail and he spent a number of years there. In two thousand and seventeen he became a law professor. And he had to go through the whole process because he'd been in jail, he was a convicted criminal. But the powers to be could see such a change in him that they said, we'll admit you to the bar. And now today he's a law professor. Why? Because one inmate got radically converted and let his light shine. The parents gave him Christian books and letters and said they were praying for him all the time. A pastor, once he gets out of jail and he wants to get married, said, you'll have a much better chance at married life once you become a Christian. And he led them to the Lord and then he married them. It took a few steps. You might be thinking this morning, what about me? Where do I stand? It took a few steps with me. Dad and Mum came to visit me when we were living together. We weren't married. And I was blown away that they would even do that because I didn't think they would. Fred and Tinker came to visit us and Tinker gave Susie a Bible, the living, the living Bible. And by reading the Good News Bible and by reading that, when, by the time she got to Romans, she got saved. She recognised she was a sinner. It takes steps where are you this morning in your steps? Every person needs to consider that. And once we've taken that step, we must let our light shine if we're going to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives. And he's got a great plan and purpose for our lives, by the way. It's not Mickey Mouse. It's really great. I've had more excitement in my life since we got saved than I ever had before. And I had all the money in the world. I could do whatever. I could write out checks for pretty much anything at the time. And I was desperately unhappy. Now I'm happy and content. And peace fills my heart even in the most difficult of circumstances because I know God is faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, it's just so amazing. And Father, I pray, Lord, that, that people hearing, Lord, your word preached this morning about community, Lord, 
how we are to love one another. Lord, and when people see that, they will know that the Father, Father God, sent his Son into the world to die for the sins of the world because they're seeing love in action. They're not just hearing love being talked about. They are seeing love in action. Father, may that be said of us. Lord, that when, they go, when you go to that church, you see love in action. Lord, it's not just being talked about. Lord, it's being practiced. So, Father, help us. Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I know that you will because that's your promise. Lord, that the day we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, your word is that you're going to make us like your son. And Father, we thank you for that process that's taken place. Lord, we're all at different stages, I understand that, but Lord, we are all being perfected, taking us from glory to glory. And Lord, we're so thankful. Lord, let us talk to you often. What should I do? How should I do it? When should I do it? Because you know the end from the beginning. We don't. Lord, let us not continue walking down dead-end streets and having to turn back because we didn't ask you first. Father, help us in all those areas. Father, that as we pray for people, we know that we're praying according to God's will. Lord, as we witness the people, we know that we're, pr- that we're witnessing according to God's will. And Lord, when to do it as well. Lord, not three o'clock in the morning knocking on somebody's door. But Lord, at the appropriate time. Help us in all those areas we pray that we may become the church that you would say to the angels, that's my church, they're doing my will. Help us in all those areas. Keep us safe, we pray, during the week. Lord, as we witness to your greatness and your goodness, for we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.